Welcome into Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence and yes, I completely lied to you yesterday. Dr. Richie is not here, I am filling in for him again. You'll have to forgive me, it wasn't an intentional lie. This mama just don't check our calendar. But I can always tell you what time it is and it is time to get some knowledge on. And fortunately we have Ravana joining us today, that's right, from TYT Twitch. You know, it's reactions and you have to go check her out there. And also there are a number of reactions going on right now when it comes to the response of what is going on from those who are fleeing Ukraine, particularly when those are black and brown people. There's a new report released that found that dozens of non-white Ukrainian residents who fled the conflict are now being held in long-term detention facilities in Poland and Estonia. Yeah, and some of them are being held three weeks or more. Here's a picture of what those detention camps are looking like. They're not pretty at all. And that photo comes to us courtesy of a joint investigation conducted by Lighthouse Reports, independent UK and other journalism outlets. And the experiences in these camps, they're being documented and they are harrowing. What we know is that one of the students said that they were stopped by officials as they crossed the border and were given no choice but to sign a document they did not understand before they were then taken to the camp. They did not know how long they'd be held there. There's a 29 year old black man from Nigeria who was studying in Ukraine before fleeing and he said this. He says his phone was confiscated by Polish border guards and he was given no option but to sign a form he did not understand. It was written in Polish, I didn't know what I was signing. I said I wouldn't sign, but they insisted I sign it and that if not, I would go to jail for five months. The student said he was then taken to court where there was no interpreter to translate what was being said so that he could understand and then taken to a detention center in a small village in what I believe is Lesnalio. Now there's another student as well who described their ordeal right now and they described that to an activist. He had said, my mental health, I'm just scared. We escaped Ukraine, it was very, very horrible experience. And you know it's very, the most biggest risk of my life. Now we are under detention. At the beginning, I thought I was being kidnapped. This is just, this really shakes me to the core, thinking these individuals who are fleeing conflict and a war that they had nothing to do with at all. And as a result of the color of their skin, they are not being treated like everyone else. In fact, they are being put in these detention camps feeling like they're being kidnapped, not getting the information that they need, and also not having access to the outside world. Apparently, it's been said that they could submit or they could send emails to communicate, but that's not even consistent. This is very, very upsetting. And also, we know that this is going on despite an EU protection directive that was issued on March 4th, and it stated that any kind of third country national studying or working Living in Ukraine should be admitted to the EU temporarily on humanitarian grounds. And this directive also is supposed to help refugees fleeing the invasion to stay in whatever country they end up in for at least a year and to have access to education as well as to work while they're there. And also as the independent UK notes, this EU directive states that it also applies to nationals of third countries other than Ukraine residing legally in Ukraine who are unable to return in safe and durable conditions to their country or region of origin. And so what is the reasoning? What is the excuse? Well, I could tell you that in a letter to a member 
of the EU Parliament in mid-March, Polish border police, this is a letter here, confirmed that they're holding some at least 52 third country nationals. You may not be able to read this letter because it's you know in Polish, but hey, I could tell you basically what it says. The letter stated that this detention was necessary to carry out administrative proceedings for granting international protection or issuing a decision on obliging a foreigner to return. A spokesperson for the Polish border force said it couldn't give any detail about the procedures on foreigners because of the protection on personal data, adding, that it is the court which takes the decision each time to place people in guarded centers for foreigners. And there are a number of African embassies out there in Poland who are also wondering why their nationals are being detained given this directive and they're trying to work on their release. This sounds completely fishy given that it seems that the only people being held here are black and brown. So Ravana, how does this sit with you? Yeah, I mean, first the fact that they're saying that the courts are making these decisions, but now we know that the courts aren't even having interpreters for these, you know, third-party nationals. It's that's not justice by any stretch of the imagination, and this is disgusting and racist and horrific. But it's not surprising given Poland's treatment of particularly Middle Eastern refugees. I mean, this is a country that was constructing a 16-foot-tall border wall. On their wall or their border with Belarus to try to keep out, you know, predominantly Middle Eastern refugees. This is a country that allowed Kurdish refugees to freeze to death outside its border while they were waiting to get in. I mean, their track record is not great, and I think, you know, a lot of us who are American, you know, we talk about the disgusting nature of our immigration system, but it's not uniquely disgusting. I mean, Europe has a massive massive immigration problem. And it's not of immigrants coming into the countries, it's the treatment of immigrants, the treatment of refugees, the treatment of asylum seekers. And this is not to say that I think by any stretch of the imagination that the white Ukrainians should be treated worse. You know, I think that all refugees should be treated the same or, you know, in fact, better than they're being treated because, you know, I mean, even the Ukrainian refugees are not having the easiest time. It's it's just a gross situation, especially thinking that these people are escaping, which is probably the scariest situation they've ever been in in their lives, just to be detained because of the color of their skin. Yeah, it just really shows us that anti-blackness, it's something that's universal. It doesn't matter, it crosses borders, it crosses languages. This thought that you are less deserving of humanity and equal fare, just basic treatment as a human being simply because you have a higher melanin count than others. And also we see using this whole documentation thing, saying that they lack proper documentation and that that's why we're holding them, really? So you're going to tell me that the white Ukrainians had all their documentation and it just so happened that the people of color were the ones who did not have any documentation? Get out of here with that. I, I couldn't even want to believe that, especially if the individual is just a resident of Ukraine. I'm sure they carry their documentation, their passports on them regularly. And so this thought that it's only a certain segment of the population coming from Ukraine who should be in this detention camp because they lack proper documentation just tells us that there will forever be pretexts when it comes to mistreatment of black and brown people in this world. And that brings us into our next story, which definitely is right on point for mistreatment of black people because of purported lack of documentation. This involves a man who went to, well, he went to Jamaica 
And in the case of this black man, it was deadly that he didn't have this purported proper documentation. This man here, he was turned away from returning to Britain to get a blood transfusion. And as a result, he died. Here's a photo of the man here. His name is Chaz Carl Powell. On March 9th, Mr. Powell was denied access to his British Airways flight at the Montego Bay Airport. He had been spending time with his girlfriend on the island in Jamaica. And the 41 year old needed to return to England to undergo his regular blood transfusion to treat his sickle cell anemia. But air, airline officials, well, they said his passport, which you can see the picture of it here, that it was in too poor of shape to validate for international travel. So it was a, it was okay to get him there, but not, not to get him back. Well, Powell sought emergency travel documents at the British consulate, taking a new passport photo. And this is the new picture here. You can see Powell's eyes are yellow. This is one of the visible symptoms of a disease is severe jaundice, the sickle cell anemia. And the yellowing of skin or the whites of the eyes, that tells you this man was not in a good place and he needed to get his blood transfusion. Well, Powell also took precautions if there were health problems that arose when he was abroad. According to his mother, she states that he secured emergency funding for a transfusion if it was ever needed, adding that he even scheduled a plan for his return procedure. He had an arrangement for his nurse at King's Hospital. As soon as he landed, he would ring her for an appointment and come in to get his transfusion. And so while he was waiting for his identification to come through, well, the man complained to his girlfriend, Monique Allen, who's 30, about stomach aches and struggling to eat. She took him to the Spanish Town Hospital there in Jamaica. And three days after being rejected from his flight, he died. Reports say that the doctors worked on him to no avail, couldn't resuscitate him, and the police categorized his demise as quote unquote sudden death. Now, Powell's mother claims that the man died of apparent organ failure after his health spiraled out of control. And why did it spiral out of control? Well, because British Airways would not allow him back on his flight because it claimed he didn't have proper documentation. Now, British Airways issued this statement about the incident. We're saddened to hear that one of our customers has passed away and our thoughts are with his friends and family at this difficult time. That's what a release from British Airways read. It says airlines are required by law to ensure that all documents presented for travel are valid. That is so interesting because again, document was perfectly fine when he came to Jamaica. Just the thought that he'd wanna go back to his country became problematic and even if it meant that he was going to die and he did die. It just really seems that this whole proper documentation thing, show me your papers, is something that we black people face very often. And this thought that our papers aren't good enough, they're not sufficient, and thus we are being held back. That's something we we're seeing over in Poland right now. And we're seeing in a number of southern states when they're passing these voter ID laws. This has been an ongoing trend and something that has been used against us forever. Do we have proper papers? Ravana. I mean, this is just one of those stories that breaks your heart because this is a man who was prepared for the worst case scenario. This is someone who took his health very seriously. He had these contingency plans in place. Um, he had saved up the money just in case he needed an emergency transfusion. Uh, he did everything right. And despite having done everything right, he died and he was taken too soon. It's extremely unfortunate. And 
there's just something sinister about about the airline calling him a, a customer. We're so sad that one of our customers has died because at the end of the day, that's all that he was to them. He was someone who was giving them money and nothing more, but to, you know, to his mom, to his girlfriend, to the people in his life. He was a lot more than that, and he, you know, his life had meaning. But you know, apparently, this airline gets to decide who lives and dies in this case, and it's it, it's really sad. It's really gross. Uh, Again, I just it's just one of those stories that breaks your heart. Absolutely, and also I've known of various situations where people lose their passport, they lose items while they're abroad, while they're traveling, and I've seen exceptions be made. I've seen people at the airport essentially put you through rigorous questions to ensure that you are from that country and allowing you to return. And here, it definitely seemed like they just turned him around and said, no, we're not letting you on our flight, too bad. And I'm confident that this man pleaded to them because he needed this blood transfusion. And the thought that just three days later, he died. He knew that death was knocking at his door and I'm confident he pleaded and he did everything he could by going to the British consulate. But he was not allowed back and as a result, he died. This just speaks to the inhumane nature that we black brown people often face when we are just trying to live, just trying to exist. And to know that these kind of documentation things are going on right now as individuals flee Ukraine and the conflict right now that's created by Russia. And then to know that there are people just trying to live in this world who again are are held to different standards on this documentation thing. It just uh, it eats me up a lot. Um, Ravana, any last last comments? Yeah, I just want to say that uh, his passport wasn't that messed up. I mean, I'm sorry, like his picture was still clear. You could still tell that that was him, you know, versus the picture that uh, you showed us from his second, the picture he took at the consulate. It wasn't, I've seen, I have friends who have flown with their passports in much worse condition than that. Uh, differences, those friends were white. So I think you're exactly spot on with that. Yeah, and also, you know, the fact is that the um, British Airways would have a record of that man having come through. Also, uh, their kind of TSA department back there, they, he would have had a stamp showing his entry. Uh, they could have at least checked the footage uh, to show, hey, this was the man who entered around this time or whatnot. Because again, death was knocking at his door. He needed that transfusion. And they denied him the opportunity to live under this purported uh, this purported claim that his documentation wasn't sufficient. All right, we will have more for you when we come back. So as they say, go ahead and stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. And there's somebody I have yet to fill in for, even though you do see me everywhere. And that's J.R. Jackson on the watch list. You need to watch it every day. Definitely subscribe, hit him up, youtube.com slash watchlisttyt. Follow and like on facebook.com slash watchlisttyt. I'm talking live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Also, it's the last Woznia. That's right. Today is the last episode of Woznia on twitch.tv-tyt. Make sure to tune in for the final stream and a fun announcement at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 a.m. PT after the bonus episode. And after Indisputable today, well, 
Tune in to Deep Dive with Jordan Yule. It's 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And that's on twitch.tv slash TYT. And also, you always gotta check out the podcast situation when it comes to the habituation room. That's with Francesca Fiorentini. You can hit it up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts as part of the TYT network. That's right, check out the habituation room and subscribe. And let's hear what y'all gotta say. Checking it out with your comments, Seth. Annie's T says, wow, your hair looks really regal today. I added the really, thank you. Bringing the noble poise newscaster look to the absurd circus that is the news. I do what I can, you know, it's a matter of what isn't ironed and what can I do to hide? That's what I do. Mountain Dragon, Ravana and Adrian, my day just got a little bit better. Love you guys, love you too. Hippie Mama of Two says, Ray and Adrian, it's a perfect duo for my first time catching a live in two weeks, I can dig it. All right, Seth Annie's T on the non-white refugees in the detention camp says that Poland has a huge neo-Nazi movement, anti-Semitism and racism. And it's illegal to teach children about Polish war crimes. You can serve up to three years in prison for it. Of course they're like this, it's Poland. I did not know that, you just gave me an education and I can mark that on one of the countries I will not be visiting, thanks so much. Divine Feminine says, yeah, remember the US's history of hatred against Latins? The detention centers were babies and children separated from the parents, the world is racist, period, ain't that for sure. Aaron Okino says, I'm not surprised UK conservatives passed a rather nasty immigrant bill just two weeks ago. And also it looks like the UK allowed at best a thousand Ukrainians in, wow. Yikes. As far as the black man who died after being denied a flight on British Airways, Tris Dragon says being a former nurse, his eyes were evident he needed medical care immediately. Absolutely. And's mom, my black son had sickle cell and can't wait to study abroad. This is terrifying. Yeah, I would imagine that. Trekkie 21 says they were fine with him leaving and going to a black majority country, but not back in his home country. Ain't that the truth? Yep, that's. That really speaks volumes about the sentiment of uh, that otherness and that exclusion kind of thing. I think we're seeing that very much right now in Ukraine. And we need people to raise awareness about it because it's completely and totally illegitimate and it is not right. And what also is not right is mm, Karen's and this is one of them. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You're gonna feel right, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Ma'am, if you can, can you tell me what we did wrong? I told you, it's a two-gas maximum. It's a two-gas maximum, this my family. Look, he got a wristband, she, he got a wristband. Look, they're my two cousins, so what's wrong? So it's wrong. So now you're not trying to say anything because you're on camera. Bro, I'm not even trying to do this, that's the thing. You, you did this to us, what were we doing wrong? Look, she got the cops just because we all black, fam. I feel like this is the real reason. Just admit it. Just admit it. Cause look, bro, look at all these people out here and you worried about us. Just let them have it, fam. Oh God, I'm not even finna argue with you. That's what I'm saying. So many families outside, but they wanna come get us. What's the problem? You know what I'm saying? I believe, I believe in God. You know what I'm saying? God don't like us. Are you racist? Just be honest. Are you racist? Are you racist? So y'all, y'all not gonna say anything. Y'all just call the cops for no reason, just cause we black. Yes, sir. Please gonna ask if we live here. 
That was an incident at a pool out in Midland, Texas. And allegedly it was reported at the Everett Ally Ally Village Apartments. Sorry, um, maybe it's, excuse me, Everett Alley Village Apartments because there are no allies there. Uh, and this person, uh, the person who posted the video, identified the Karen as a woman named Teal Mahan. Uh, and this was a photo uh, located of that Teal Mahan on LinkedIn. Now, the Midland police were the ones who were on the scene there. And we have a picture of their police chief, that's Mr. Seth Herman. Now, the individual who posted the video claims that the police told them to sign paperwork or they would arrest the group. Oof, this is very interesting. I will let you go ahead and go ahead and hit it first, Gravana. Yeah, why do Karens always have names like that? It's it's like that or it's like Kaylee spelled K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H, something along those lines. And her profile picture is always them sitting in the car. <laughs> Some weird filter on it, but I mean, who dubbed this woman uh, hall monitor of the pool? I mean, it's not this is not your job. Even if they they needed wristbands, they were violating some rule about having too many people over. One, who cares? But two, that's not your job, and it's definitely not a job for the police. Right? And by no stretch of the imagination would you need the police to uh, you know handle that situation. And I mean, also. It's a pool for people who live there. The guy lives there. Who cares if his cousins came over? I, I like. I very much don't believe that not a single other family who lives in that apartment complex hasn't ever brought one or two too many guests to the pool. It's just absurd. It's just ridiculous. Just racist. <laughs> she just didn't like seeing black people at her pool. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep, and there's a history of that in our country, particularly there in the United States where black people weren't allowed to use the same pools or facilities as white people. And that's something that very much harkens the fact that it's underlying that entire conversation. The thought that these black boys were accessing and using the pool that they had a right to use by virtue of their tenancy. Yet this white woman is still going to call the police on them. And it just, it reminds me of calling slave catchers and saying that they cannot use this facility. How dare they bring their dirty inhumane bodies and enjoy the same water and the same facility as I am. And you know, it's really upsetting because the police who, gosh, if you have something better to do, you should be doing it. Upon approaching the situation, they should have been able to see. They should have been able to look and say, hey, we have the only black people here and they're getting the police called on them. And so that's where I put it on law enforcement that it should have stepped up and said, you know, there is something that is very wrong in this situation here. Do you live here? Perfect. Ma'am, please don't call us again unless there is some actual crime going on. Otherwise, that's something you take up with your management office. If you're concerned that a guest of a resident, that there are too many guests, but to call the police, especially when it could jeopardize those children's lives and livelihoods, like it just, it really reminds me of all of the racist things that white people have done over the centuries and continue to do and how the police backs the play. So that was very unfortunate and I really hope that that individual gets called out in many ways because you know, she is a part of the problem as well as a law enforcement who allows it to go on. Now there are also
also other white women who are part of the problem, and one of them is being called out. There's a TikToker, Fannie Mae Lee, who is allegedly trying to profit off of what would be modern day blackface. She's using excessive tanning and likely some kind of body colors as well. And then she's portraying racist depictions of black culture and using African American vernacular English. She is really doing the most. According to an article at the Daily Dot, the user at Fannie Mae Lee utilizes hashtags like hashtag black girl magic and declares herself a self-made, and I mean made with an I, black woman. Despite being a white woman, she touts that she is 0.9% South African and considers herself black. The creator also commonly misspells words in a racist depiction of African American vernacular English. That's at AAVE. Now she is being called out by this TikToker who's named Christina. She is at TikTok Tina. Now drew, and this drew attention to the videos. Now Christina says that she was reluctant to make a video about the creator because she was unsure of whether or not the account was real or a joke, as she didn't want to draw more attention to the TikToker. However, she says she needed to. Call Call out the creator for her black face. Yeah, this is who this person is, and this is pretty wild. Um, I guess, can we put up some pictures, show what this woman is about? Yeah, there you go. This Fannie Mae Lee, uh, this account also reportedly includes links to her Cash App, GoFundMe, seeking roughly $1,100, says her boyfriend's house needs to be rebuilt. I don't know. Uh, again, this is just trash behavior from someone. And it appears also that she might even be posting to a new account using old videos. But we definitely know that we've seen this and it is not a good look and it is completely and totally unacceptable. Um, yeah, and also all that tanning is dangerous, but I, as far as I'm concerned, I really don't care what happens to her. Cuz if she is exploiting black culture with this false sense of melanin, but also using these derogatory um, kind of annotations for black people, I'm just, I'm over it, Ravana. Yeah, I just want to say, my fellow white people, we're not allowed to do ancestry.com DNA tests anymore. You're canceled from doing that. <laughs> we don't need another 0.9%, 0.9% South African person <laughs> to do this again. But um, you know, I honestly, I was and I was saying this to you before, but um, when I read the title of the story, I was expecting something a little different because there is this racist and horrible phenomenon in predominantly East Eastern Europe where people will do blackface, particularly women influencers will do blackface, but not in the way that where they're admitting like this girl was that she is white. They portray themselves to be to be black. You know, they try to bury their past as much as they can. So much so that two of those models from Russia were accidentally hired by Rihanna to model her clothing, which you know was exclusively using black models at that time. Before they found out that they were actually white women doing blackface. So I was expecting that type of Rachel Dolezal situation, not this type of Justin Trudeau situation that was happening here. And oh my God, I'm sorry, if she's tanning to get like that, she's gonna die real early because there's, <laughs> we saw the before pictures of her. It's just so, so unnatural for her to ever mm-hmm. achieve that color of her skin. It's gross. But I mean, it's also horrifically racist. Um, and you know, I, it does need to be called out. But I think you and I both know we make videos for Rebel HQ. Sometimes you have to make a decision 
do I want to call this out because it needs to be called out? Do I want to let it be because I don't want to bring more attention to it? You know, but I think she made the right call here. This is disgusting behavior, and no one should be allowed to do this online, and definitely not be allowed to make money doing it online. No, and also the crummy part is that TikTok allows us to exist. It knows that this is just a modern day ministerial show, and it's allowing it to go on. But then again, it's like TikTok, all it does is end up suppressing the black voices out there while promoting the white voices that are mocking or copying off of black voices. And this is just the extreme version of this, and yet it's still allowed to persist and to be on this platform. But yeah, there are a lot of platforms out there that are engaged in all sorts of trash behavior, and one of them is is the fast fashion retailer Shine, I believe it is, S-H-E-I-N, I know many of us have heard of it. Well, it was called out by a black TikToker for allegedly photoshopping a white model black. Yeah, that's right. The TikTok user at Hertz Care shared a screenshot of the allegedly edited model from the brand's online category. Catalog. So while swimsuit shopping online, so what she did is she first clicked on the photo of a dark skinned woman in a pink swimsuit. She noticed the trash quality of the images clicking on another. And then she noticed it's the same exact pose, same movement, same nails. Yeah, it's the same photo. The skin has simply been darkened because, hey, why work with a black model when you can just darken the skin color of a white model? And when they were reached out to for comment, well, a Shine representative told Daily Dot this. We were surprised to learn that one of our suppliers provided photos which were altered in an unacceptable way. We are contacting the supplier and have removed the images from our site. We celebrate diversity in all shapes, sizes, and colors, and these images do not accurately represent that. While I think that that is a great statement, I'm really glad that they did take that down. Also, show me your board of directors, show me your executive level. I would love to see photos of those people because I would assume that maybe it's not fully representative of all this diversity that you tout. I want to see what your diversity inside your company looks like. And until I do, I'm going to assume that that statement was nothing but performative antics. Especially from a company that engages in fast fashion that we all know is very, very detrimental to the environment. Yeah, I doubt that they really care about people of color. And I'm sure that their supplier who they're doing business with is probably a reflection of them and how they do business. But once again, show me your board of directors, show me your vendor and supply chain agreements and the companies with whom you work. That's how I'm gonna know whether you are sincere in your statement or not, right? Yeah, Sheen is a horrible company and I implore everyone watching not to purchase anything from them. They also have really horrifying you know, exploitive labor practices within the company. Aside from just being horrific for the environment as fast fashion is, please don't buy from them. But you know, this is when you're shopping online and a shirt has like multiple colors, you'll see them just Photoshop the same model in the same pose wearing the same shirt as a different color. I don't know why on earth they would think that that could translate now to why don't we just do that with skin color to make it look like we're doing, you know, having a more diverse model hiring. It is, it's just gross. It really, it really is gross because they they want the the clout, right? They want the clout of looking like they have a diverse workplace without actually doing any of the work and while taking jobs away from black models. It's disgusting, it's anti-black, and that's just one of the reasons that people should not buy from Sheen. On top of all of the other problems, definitely don't buy from that company.
Yeah, and um, I'm glad that you were able to clarify the name of the company. I'm completely okay that I couldn't pronounce it or I didn't know it well enough because I know it, but I do know to stay away from it. Uh, also, you know, it just also speaks to this white gaze and uh, the body that I guess white Americans to be more attractive because the fact is that there are a lot of black people and white people who don't necessarily look like that. But the thought that you can just transpose one body for another, it really just speaks to how problematic that is. Because while I do wanna see someone who looks like me and what would this look like on my skin color? The thing is, I don't need to be reminded of the fact that white America is dominant and that that is the body that they've determined should be reflective of me or of beauty standards in the rest of the world. I have seen the whole color transformation with skin color used in like wedding ring or ring websites where you'd wanna see what does this ring look like on my hand. And I didn't take issue with that in terms of because it doesn't just take one and copy from another. You literally get to choose the gradation of the skin color so you can kind of get a feel for that. And that didn't bother me as much as something like this actually bothers me. Um, I don't necessarily fully know why, but I think in part just just because this company has been so low budget, but also that it's trying to pass this off. I think that that's really, really problematic. But also too, well, what you can do is simply not purchase from them. And while I don't purchase from them, I will probably never realize how to say their name properly, even though Ray just said it. And I'm all right with that. All right, I'm also all right with taking a break right now and coming back to you. So as I say, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence and it's time to hear from y'all. Well, as far as the Karen at the pool goes, life means go for says, when we're able to press charges for stalking and harassment and they be upheld, the Karens will stop. Yeah, let's hope, that would be really great, little deterrence. Nate Jelly says, sign nothing and ask for representation, absolutely. I wish it were that easy though, because they may arrest you, especially if you're a black person and it doesn't seem like you have a lot of power if you wanna limit uh, essentially the resisting arrest or all these faux charges, it may be in your best interest to simply sign and keep it moving. Dragon Dragon Morgan Muffle says, if the cops keep letting Karens get away with it, they continue to call the cops. Yep, Mickey C the silver haired dragon says no second chances. All these Karens calling cops when there is no emergency need to be charged and pay a steep fine. They need to be charged the fine plus the time it costs having the police there. Absolutely, if you can charge what Jussie Smollett, you can charge these Karens. Blackface TikToker Mary in space says, colonizing black girl magic, that's right. C23 Jones 88, want to appropriate so damn bad, yep. Jeno Umbra, she saw Get Out and instead of learning from it, she got ideas. Yeah, she got some bad ideas as have several law enforcement agencies. Well, you know, the idea being around the country that they are opting not to share statistics about hate crimes with the FBI. That's right, they are not reporting hate crimes. I think that's kind of interesting because it essentially means that we are not learning as a people how often that people like me and other marginalized members of groups are not being treated fairly, but are being targeted on account of our marginalization. Now this trend was not, this trend of non-reporting, it's been happening for a while now as a number have reportedly been declining for the third straight year when it comes to the number of reported hate crimes. And this is what we know per the root. More than 12,000 law enforcement agencies reported zero hate crimes. FBI numbers showed the list includes police departments in Miami, 
Little Rock, Arkansas, and Huntsville, Alabama. Just a handful of cities and towns and states like Alabama, Arkansas, and Florida bothered to report hate crimes in 2020, an analysis of data by Axios found. And this is really telling because one of the first tenets and the key tenets of white supremacy is acting like there's no racism. Same thing with anti-Semitism, acting like it doesn't exist. It's a figment of everyone's imagination that these forms of hate that nope, don't exist. It's a way to ignore the structural racism, the structural embedded hate within our system. And Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark, who is pictured here, she noticed that. She told the Senate Judiciary Committee that more than 60% of reported hate crimes were motivated by race and ethnicity. Of those, more than half targeted black Americans during her testimony to the committee. Clark also said this, this lack of accurate hate crime data not only makes it harder for law enforcement to address and prevent hate crimes, but also can cause individuals and communities victimized by acts of hate to believe that law enforcement agencies are not responding to their experiences. Accurate and complete data reporting is needed to ensure that resources deployed match the most pressing needs in our communities. That is what the assistant AG Clark said, and that is very much a truth. But again, it's the law enforcement who are not reporting this. And despite them not reporting these hate crimes, what we do know is that in 2020, the FBI reported that hate crimes had been at their highest level in 12 years. That figure jumped even further in 2021 by 44% as noted in a study conducted by the Center for the Study of Hate Crime and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino. This is, this is truth, this is happening. The fact is that we know people are outliving their lives and being attacked because they're members of marginalized groups. Yet when the police arrive, they're not reporting such attacks. That also means that when it comes to prosecution, that prosecutors aren't hitting it with that heightened level of potential penalties and punishment because it was a hate crime. That also means that resources being allocated for addressing hate crimes are not being allocated and people aren't being believed. This is exactly why I said the whole situation with Jesse Smollett that it's not going to hamper or deter law enforcement in any way to responding to hate crimes because this is how they've been responding since day one. Right. Yeah, and just what you were saying about prosecutors. I mean, we know that in this country, hate crimes are very rarely prosecuted, even when there is evidence, even when they are reported. You know, for our prosecutorial system is pretty racist, and you know, our criminal justice system is systemically racist. And you know, there's these justifications for it that they're difficult to convict, they're expensive to investigate and prosecute, or whatever BS reason they're giving that they they don't prosecute these. But that's like a ratio of the reported hate crimes, right? It's already extremely small. And now we know that it's probably a substantially larger number of hate crimes that are occurring than are being reported, than are being prosecuted. And it just shows that at every level, there is deep, deep injustice in our criminal justice system. And you know, Absolutely. deep, deep racism.
There was a year long investigation that it founds that the solidarity between the thin blue line does not extend to black officers. And this is particularly in Kansas City with their police department there. There was an exclusive report issued by the Kansas City Star that interviewed about 25 current and former black officers there in the city about their varying experiences when it came to racism in their department on their police force. And per these officers, the department uses flimsy pretextual excuses to keep leadership white. And essentially these men also happen to have receipts, internal memos, they have it all. In 2009, the US Department of Justice announced it was investigating why the number of black officers in the KCPD was lower than expected. But the agency never released any results and declined to comment on its findings. 13 years later, the STARS investigation shows one major reason for the lack of black officers. Rampant racism inside the department. Yeah, exactly. Mind you, Kansas City is about a third black. We're talking about 30% black. Yet, it's only about maybe 10, 11% of its police officers are black. And this is a decline from some 25 years ago when there were more black officers on the force. Now, the question that seems to be haunting a lot of these officers has been, if this is how the police treat their own, what's a chance do they have as regular black citizens? And that's something that must be taken into account. As the investigation also found that police leaders have known since at least 2009 that discipline in the ranks is meted out unequally. And internal assessment never made public by KCPD showed that black officers made up 11% of the force but received 18% of the discipline. Yeah. And over the past 15 years, at least 18 black officers identified by the star have left the department because of racist treatment they endured. White officers have called their black colleagues the N word and boy made insulting comments about eating fried chicken and said black people were lazy. Only 9% of homicide detectives who hold that coveted position in the department are black. And the unit produces unequal results. Detectives send cases to Jackson County prosecutors for about 51% of victims who are black men, but 73% when the victim is a white woman. This shows you from the start to the, to the end when it comes to the system, particularly here in KCPD, it is racist. We're seeing these problems and we're seeing them permeate inside the department. So when we wonder why hate crimes aren't being reported, it's because they're being committed inside these law enforcement departments, Ray. Yeah, I mean, Exactly, it's it's horrifying, it's at every single level. I mean, there was a story a few months ago about a police chief who left on one of his deputy officer's desks who was black, a KKK outfit as a joke. I mean, we're always hearing about racism inside police departments. We're also always hearing about sex discrimination inside police departments, sexual harassment. And you know, these are we know that 40% of police officers self-admit to engaging in domestic abuse, domestic violence of their spouses. So you know, it's it's again they go out into the community in their own lives and they commit hate crimes, acts of violence. You know, they're racist, they're sexist. Homophobia is rampant within police departments, and it doesn't stop when they enter the door. They don't leave that behind them. They it continues through in their work, and we see that represented, like you showed in that data, of 50% of Black victims have the crimes committed against them sent to the prosecutor. 75% of white women. I mean, what's the explanation for that? <laughs> right? It's racism. That's it. It's just a racist system being perpetuated by racist actors.
Absolutely, and if this is one of the major departments in the United States, and this is how they act and how they treat people, it just it shows you that it definitely has to be elsewhere as well. We can't act like that this is an anomaly as opposed to this being systemic. This is how the systems were built, and this is how they're expected to operate. Otherwise, they change, and there has been no change. Although apparently they are they got rid of their new chief, and so they're hoping to bring about some change. But it's not something that that we can expect necessarily given that this has been the legacy of a lot of police departments and it continues to be how a lot of these departments operate. But also too, we can't necessarily you know, maybe think that everybody doesn't see it because there are people out there who definitely see racism, including white nationalists like Nick Fuentes. Here's what he had to say the other day. You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. I can see the conservative movement is slowly coming back around to its implicit racism of the old, of the old days. You know, like I remember when Obama was president, there definitely was some thinly veiled you know, racism there and sort of a xenophobia. You Muslim socialist, you're born in Kenya. And now that Katanji Jackson Brown is a nominee, you're seeing conservatives are kind of coming. You're kind of getting a little, a little taste of that again. And like I saw Charlie Kirk, for example, Charlie Kirk said, take a good long look at Katanji Brown Jackson. This is what your country looks like on CRT. And a lot of liberals called him out for that. And they said, well, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? It means, uh, yeah, she's black. And if you're a white guy and you dream of becoming a Supreme Court justice, you're going to have to clerk for someone named Katanji Brown Jackson. And so Charlie Kirk was like, he was like this close to saying, look at that black face. <laughs> look, look at her black face and her name. You know, that's what your country's gonna look like. I, I, I love this video. And I say that because you have a white nationalist who's calling it for what it is. Who's saying exactly what we know it to be. It's like, you can't tell me that racism, dog whistles and whatnot, that that's not going on. When we people of color see it, we black people see it. And also the white nationalists, the white supremacists who are actively trying to uplift white people see it. So to be anyone else and to claim that, nope, I, I don't think it. I think you're reading too much into it, you're lying. You're lying, even your boys out here telling the truth, saying exactly what he sees. And this is also why I often say I would prefer over anything to engage with someone who is like a David Duke white nationalist admitted racist, as opposed to a lot of these hunky-dory liberal white people who claim not to have a racist bone in the body. Because clearly somebody's lying to me and I'm not here for it, right? Yeah, I hate this kid so much, but there's something deeply funny about knowing that he's he's got this really fancy looking setup on his stream, but that he's streaming from his mom's basement. Like, <laughs> it's a little, little funny, but um, yeah. I've. First learned of Nick Fuentes watching TYT in undergrad. My roommate walked in the room and she said, is that Nick Fuentes? I went to high school with him. He gave my graduation speech. He was our class president and he's apparently always been a racist. Always always been a bad person, always been an obnoxious little turd. 
not say anything I shouldn't say on TV. But um, you know what he said, what you were just mentioning about him just saying, essentially translating Charlie Kirk's thinly veiled racism. I mean, we also saw this with uh, people who were avowed white supremacists at a white nationalist convention praising Tucker Carlson. Saying that Tucker Carlson makes the uh, the white nationalist talking points better than even they can, that they study him. Uh, but those same Tucker Carlson, uh, Charlie Kirk will then turn around and say, "Oh, we're not racist. We're not racist." But then the people who are like, "Oh, I'm a racist, and you're doing racism real good, and I like it," <laughs> like, "Okay, I I'm didn't buy you before Tucker Carlson, Charlie Kirk, but I definitely am not buying you now when you say that you're not racist." No, oh, yeah, it's like if your racist boy can see it. That tells me that what we see is very much, uh, very much real. And you know, he can film from wherever he's going to film. He can be a racist. The thing is, he ain't out here trying to lie to me about it. And that's what I appreciate the most because you can keep those white liberals out here who are saying that they're not racist and they have no problems. I don't care if you are on the right or the left. If you out here trying to lie to me about your racism or how you maintain structural racism, we can't be friends. We can't, we can't jive. We can't do anything. And I am so tired of those people. And so it's pretty refreshing, as sad as it is, to have someone who will finally acknowledge exactly what a lot of these right wingers have been saying when they are attacking, when they're attacking us and people who look like me, that they are engaging in this thinly veiled racism because that's exactly what we knew it to be. And so, hey, I, I appreciate it, even though I prefer Nick Fuentes to go very far, far away. If he can continue to do the analysis and to call it out for what it is, go ahead, I will not stop you. But I also will not stop you, Ray, from having the rest of your day available to you. I will definitely thank you for joining us today. You have so much incredible insight. Can you please tell the people where they can find more about you? Yeah, absolutely. First, I want to compliment your segues. They're amazing and no one does it like you do. Um, but you can, everyone can see me at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash TYT for my show reactions. You can also see me on Rebel HQ uh, on Facebook and on YouTube. Yes, yes, very much so. And you can also catch me on Rebel HQ for my segment Overruled. And yes, I will definitely return more to some legal stuff because there are some things I really want to break down for you all. And in addition to, you know, pointing out the nonsense of the right wingers, I also love bringing that to you as well. So thank you so much for everybody who is viewing Overruled. And I should not be back tomorrow. It should be Dr. Richie, but hey, we'll see what happens. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.